Welcome everybody back to Friar Talk today. Not going to be a very positive episode. Going to be talking about something that we've kind of alluded to in a few live streams. Okay, we're going to do this when we're all three together. Well, we are all three together. We have uh, the main AJ Preller hater here, Chase. Um, and so we're talking about it today. We're, we're going to talk about firing AJ Preller and why basically his time has, has ran out in San Diego. Where we look at it, he's been here for, what is this, his ninth season? He has zero 90 win seasons in this span. He has one playoff appearance. One. I mean, he has two technically, but one of them was a season that was the 60-game season where all of the starters were gone by playoff time. And you can basically say very comfortably they would not have made the playoffs that year if that was a hundred if that was a full season. So looking at it now. It's a rough season right now. If the Padres lose tonight, they lost last night to the Pirates. They got rocked in a start where Reese Kinnear is coming in. Um, when you have a $273 million payroll, you have the you know all the expectations in the world to be good. And if you lose tonight, you are behind the Pirates in the standings. You're already seven and a half games out of a wild card spot. You'd be probably eight and a half if that happens there. And this season couldn't have been more of a disaster. It looks like 2021. It looks like 2015. You know, the other two years where Preller kind of was in this all-in type of mode. And last year was the only year where where we've actually got positive things from the San Diego Padres. Maybe you look back to the rebuild years of the farm system and say, well, they were rebuilding. Well, who did they develop outside of Fernando Tatis? Pretty much nobody. So it's, it's time, in my opinion. It is time where Preller needs to go. And... Chase and Isaac, I know you guys agree with me, but Chase, let's let's hear your thoughts on Mr. AJ Preller. I've been saying this for a couple of years now. At least he can't be GM. Like he's really good at scouting talent. I will give him that. His eye for talent is unbelievable. But at the same time, should a GM be going out to like certain high school games to look at high school talent and you know not focusing on his duties as GM? He has throughout his years, we've developed one player and that's even arguably one player in Fernando Tatis. We could just say he's a superstar. He's an all-star talent. No matter what, he would have developed with anybody. Outside of that, you can maybe say Ha Seung Kim, but he was a KBO star when he came over. He's taken a couple of years to develop in the major leagues, and he's finally breaking out. That could just be him finally getting used to the talent gap between the MLB and the KBO. Trent Grisham, he was already up with the Brewers. Jake Cronenworth. Basically came up right away because Eric Cosmer was having stomach issues. Haven't seen anything from Camposano. Haven't seen anything from any of our starters in the farm system. Who, uh, who else am I missing? Oh, yeah, there's nothing. We've seen Ryan Weathers struggle heavily. Morejon's been struggling. He's kind of been misused and mistreated by the entire Padres staff. They kept trying to make him a starter when he shouldn't have been in the first place. We tried to trade for all of our problems to solve all of our problems. And it causes us to deplete our farm system, not have any cheap talent readily available in the next couple of years. When some of these big guys might leave our starting rotation, it's going to be a mess next year because we extended the wrong guy. We've extended the wrong guy twice so far this year we should have extended Stone, uh, snell instead of darvish and we should have extended kim instead of hindsight 2020 but the signs were kind of there Cronenworth has kind of been regressing a little bit more uh you have him playing first base now because you didn't sign a first baseman and thought you know xander bogarts was the way to go instead of signing one of the 
key problems, which was first base last year, and now we are stuck with the shortstop who is going to have wrist issues the rest of his career and has hit, I believe Isaac said earlier, two or three home runs in the past two months. It's not good. There's that. We haven't developed the farm system. Or we have developed the farm system, but we can't bring them up into the major leagues. Anytime a guy gets brought up into the major leagues, he just plays a bench role until, oh, wow, you know what? This guy hasn't produced anything because he hasn't gotten consistent at best, consistent playing time at all. Time to send him down so that he can ball out in the minor leagues and then go nowhere and ended up trading him and him become a star somewhere else. The guys who are performing in the minor leagues don't get called up. Why wasn't Jackson Wolf called up instead of Reese Kinnear? I feel like in any other team, the guy who's performing the best at either double A AA or triple A gets the spot start. We know what Reese Kinnear is. We know who he is. We know his stuff. We know how it plays at the MOV level. Jackson Wolf should have got that start. The only thing I can think of is maybe Wolf had a start recently. I haven't checked into his like rotation wise where he lands, but Realistically, Jackson will probably should have got that sorry. Not risking it. Um just it's the same old thing. And then I know uh you guys have probably seen the Twitter threads about Preller and how the front office works where multiple guys are playing or having multiple positions. It's kind of favoritism. Preller just wants yes men. He doesn't want any guy to tell him that, hey, you know what, this isn't gonna work out. We heard the stories of the Hosmer signing. Or everybody told him, hey, you know what? Or a couple of people told him, hey, you know what? This isn't a good thing. He's going to regress. He's the guy that you think he is. And Preller still signed him anyway. And look what happened there. So AJ Preller having as much control as he does is detrimental to the team. He would make a great head scout, yes. But his insistency on just kind of, you know what? We're going to do things my way or it's the highway is causing the team to go downhill. As we can see this year. We should be above 500 easily, and we're not. We've had players being overpaid. There's no heart on the team. They're very entitled. Their their interview answers to why they're sucking, I don't know. I don't have time. We'll figure it out eventually. We're bandwagoners if we're jump on later. You guys are underperforming to the point where the MLB, the pitchers are leading the MLB in ERA for the past two months, and you guys are still below 500 any other team they would be above 500 but you guys can't see that you guys are just saying we're going to be bandwagoners when you guys finally figure it out later how much later when is later you guys have been saying this for two months anyway i could go on forever i'm gonna let isaac go on before i keep going no it i mean next time around you could definitely go on longer i'm i'm, I'm a little sick so if i sound like like doo-doo then i'm sorry but I'm a I'm a new I'm a newfound member of the Send AJ Preller to the Streets Club. Um, I mean, there, there's so much that has gone wrong for the Padres this year in terms of in terms of like, obviously the lineup is going to be the number one thing. And I'll say it again: the number one problem for the Padres has been the lineup. The first blame it goes to the players. It goes to Manny Machado, uh, Xander Bogarts, Jake Cronenworth, Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter, Austin Nola, uh, Trent Grisham. You know, all those guys are going to be the first ones that I blame when it comes to the Padres struggles, because like Chase mentioned, the pitchers have been fantastic. Um, the bullpen has been great. Everything pitching wise, defense wise has been great for the Padres. 
Um, it's the fact that they can't score any runs. <clears throat> they can't score any runs, and that's what's losing them all these ball games. They're five games under five under five hundred right now, and it's because um, you know Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts are two of the league leaders in in grounding into double plays uh, because they have one of the most historic offenses when it comes to runners in scoring position, and it's not in a good way. It's historic in the way that they're going to be one of the worst teams ever with runners in scoring position. Um, and, of course, that doesn't all lie on A.J. Preller, Bob Melvin, hitting coaches, whatever it is. It doesn't all lie on them. It lies on the approach of the players. But what I will say is that um, it's annoying when Seth Lugo goes down or you Darvish has to miss a start. Michael Walker has to miss a start because teams like the Dodgers, they're not throwing out Matt Waldron. They're not throwing out Reese Kinnear. They're not throwing out Ryan Weathers. They're not throwing out these, I'm sorry, but they're bums. They're not good. Uh, Matt Waldron had a good start. Congrats to him. But if he had to make another start, I'd be pretty freaking scared because he faced the Nationals. And I don't I don't know how good it would go for him against a good team. Um, Reese Kinnear, I mean, he had a good first few starts. Nobody expected him to be good. I certainly didn't because his stuff looked bad throughout his career. It's, it's flat. It's never had good stuff. Um, Ryan Weathers, I mean, you can go through the whole Padres farm system from top to bottom and say, hey, look, the only player that we've sort of developed is Fernando Tatis Jr. And players that have either struggled or been mediocre here before have turned into good players elsewhere. Josh Naylor turned into a pretty good player, at least a useful player. Ty France, same thing. Uh, Hunter Renfro, I mean, these are all guys that are in lineups daily. And it's not like they're in lineups daily because they're bad players. They're in lineups daily because they're serviceable, good players. And that's something the Padres could use right now because Nola's not a, a good, serviceable player. Trent Grisham at times doesn't look like one. Um, there's guys throughout the lineup that just aren't producing. And you look at the roster construction, your best shortstop is playing second base right now. Your best second baseman is playing first base right now. The worst player when it comes to runners and scoring position is playing what position? He's playing shortstop. And defensively, he's looked great. But throughout the first month of the season, he accumulated a 1.5 war. Ever since then, he's accumulated a 0.4 war. He is arguably him and Manny Machado. I mean, I keep mentioning the same three players, but if you have to put someone on top, Xander Bogarts is arguably the reason that you are the worst with runners in scoring position. He is the reason that you are losing so many of these games because he's grounding into double plays left and right. Because he refuses to go on the IL with his wrist injury. I mean, I don't know if he refuses or the Padres won't let him. I don't know what it is. But the roster construction is just not what feel. It does not feel like $250 plus million. Because a $250 plus million team does not have to roll out Matt Waldron, Ryan Weathers, or um, I already forgot the other name. Uh, Reese Kinnear, sorry. Um, they don't have to roll out those players. They don't have <coughs> they don't have their third highest OPS at what 750. And that's again, that's no offense. You know, we talked about this before. There's no offense to Haseon Kim. Dude, Haseon Kim has been sick. He's been so amazing. He's been just arguably the best player. Or, or I mean, second, third best player, whatever it is. But this feels so similar to 2021, where the only guys producing were Fernando, Manny, and Jake. This time it's Fernando Soto and, and Haseon Kim. Haseon Kim over the last 30 games is batting 300 with over an 800 OPS. He's been amazing. 
And um, when it comes to the rest of the guys, I mean, like I keep I keep mentioning roster construction. Uh, someone had had came back to a tweet that I that I uh, put out and said we need to get rid of Garcia, Honeywell, and Kurt. The problem with that is the guys that replace them are either injured or they suck more than the guys that already suck. That's the problem is that we have guys that aren't good, but the guys that behind them that are that are behind them either are too far down in developing in the farm system or they're just not as good. So. Um, <coughs> And and people keep blaming. I see people blaming Bob Melvin for the team not having heart. It's not Bob Melvin's fault, man. Bob Melvin has led good teams before. He led this team that supposedly had no heart. He got him to the NLCS. And I know people said, hey, well, if you're going to give Melvin credit, you got to give Preller credit. You know, what Preller did right last year was he he got a lot of pitching. He got Manaya. Gore was looking good throughout the first half. Um Clevenger had a small stint where he looked good, um, but he got a lot of pitching depth. And of course, it didn't end up being the result or didn't end up panning out in the NLCS. But this year, that money that could have went to pitching depth or getting a first baseman or getting a catcher went to a shortstop that you did not need. That is 31 years old. And just had his best season defensively. I don't know if it gets any better than that defensively for him. We were, we were, of course, you know, everyone was happy when he was signed. But um, now you look, and, and keep in mind, whoever gets signed by any team, any fan is going to look at the optimistic side of things. They're going to look look past the bad and say, oh, well, he did this last year. He's done this before. Why can't he do it again? Um, but as far as Xander Bogarts goes, it just – you know, construction roster wise, it, it doesn't make much sense right now. Um, because like I said, you know, your best shortstop is playing second base. Your best second baseman is playing first base. You have a shortstop out in right field. And I mean, Xander Bogarts hasn't done anything for the Padres that is worth noting. So, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot to take away from you said from what you said there. Um, looking back kind of, I'm going to get into some like issues with Preller in a second here, but going just off this year's roster construction, Xander Bogart, stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm insanely concerned about this team. Not, not even right now. Let's, let's just say that, let's just say that they are really bad for this, the rest of this year and they're not good. They don't make the playoffs, right? That's not where the concerns in the concerns in that. That's where they kind of begin. The future of this team is the scary part. We talk so much about how bad Hosmer was, right? And I, I was happy when they signed Xander Bogarts. I think we all were. I think basically every fan was because, like, one of my best friends is a Red Sox fan, and he was he's pissed. He's like, dude, you got, like, our best player, blah, blah, this, this, and that. Xander Bogarts, it's not necessarily all about his talent right now. He has a wrist injury that seems like it is a nagging problem. And I don't know, Chase Isaac, you, have you guys remember that maybe the Padres don't really look into injured players too much? Because I, I do recall AJ Preller getting suspended for trading an injured Drew Pomerantz and then coming back and signing him for, what, 8 to $9 million a year and then not playing for three years because of the same injury that he was suspended for trading the guy away? Is that not one of the most ridiculous things you've ever heard a GM do? That's that's crazy. You got suspended, then you doubled down with the injury. Like, you didn't care about the injury. Um, 
So this is like this is like GMs that draft like Trent Balky in the NFL, who he is so in love with drafting running backs with ACL injuries. Like, bro, give it up. It is not going to work. This offseason, we see them sign Robert Suarez. Isaac, you brought up the pitching depth. Robert Suarez last year was an amazing depth signing. You just signed him for so much money, and we are probably never going to see this dude pitch in a Padres uniform again because he has a serious injury. He didn't even play this year. Like, so you put all this money into pitching that's injured and you don't have the depth, and now we're seeing that on the bullpen side. What what do um what do Suarez and Pomerantz make combined? 15, 20 million, roughly I want to say 20 million dollars. And you're not gonna see them play one like pitch one, have one pitch this entire season. I, I would be shocked if Suarez came back. He's on the 60 day, I believe, right now. So it, it's really scary when you start looking into that. Then you look into Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts has, what, like 11 years left on his contract, making $25 million a year. And right now he's arguably your biggest issue. And then you look on your roster and you go, okay, who can play shortstop here? Let's see. Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, Jake Cronenworth, Hassan Kim, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Damn. You really didn't need that guy. You know what would be nice? A first baseman that slugs. A catcher, I mean, I guess Gary Sanchez is all right. But a catcher not named Austin Nola to start the year that is arguably the worst player in the MLB. And a replacement for Trent Grisham. A DH that didn't hit a buck 80 with under a 700 OPS for three straight seasons over 900 at-bats before having a 100-game span where he hit a few balls over the short porch and had some boosted numbers. Like, the moves are bad. And, and maybe people are going to come and say, Hey, you guys like some of these moves. I mean, I did not like the Matt Carpenter move. I, I, I was really confused. And then they signed Nelson Cruz. It's like, okay, well, they got two guys, I guess. But the Matt Carpenter move was weird. It, it didn't make any sense. I, I, I like the Xander Bogarts move. Well, I'll argue this. Chase, how much money, Isaac, how much money do the San Diego Padres pay you to be employed for them? Because we get a couple, you know, $2, $10 super chats every once in a while. But I'm not making too much money off the San Diego Padres. I don't know what Preller's making, but I believe that his job is to be paid to produce a winning roster. And he's been given everything in the world to be able to do that. He's hired four managers, and yet some people's excuse is that maybe we need to fire Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin took this team the farthest they've been under A.J. Preller. Firing Bob Melvin and letting... I don't know who Tingler would hire. I, or, I said Tingler, bro. I don't know who AJ Preller would hire. Maybe maybe bring Tingler back. I don't know. But like, that's not the solution. And you look into the other parts of, I, I'm just kind of ranting at this point, but you look into the other parts that are issues is the Padres lost arguably their top executive, Dave Cameron, a while back. You know where he went? The Dodgers. You know, you know what a lot of people question about AJ Preller is that there's literally no stability in the front office. You know who else questioned that? Juan Soto. You have you guys not noticed Juan Soto's comments are like, dude, this is like he you can tell it's dysfunctional. It, it's bad. Like it's really bad. And it's scary because the strength and conditioning coach for the Padres has no experience in baseball. Isaac, you and Chase have more experience in baseball than the, the strength and conditioning coach that probably makes a few hundred thousand dollars for the Padres. That is fucking crazy. That is insane. That is, that is not something that you see. So I don't understand defending Preller. I, I don't get it. Um, one of the things I am most scared about is that he, if he is in a moment now where it's like I either have to trade for my job or I'm going to trade guys away and we're going to let him do that again, that is terrifying. Because let's look at some active players along around the MLB um, and then we'll, we'll get back to you guys to kind of do one more round through. But 
Active players in the MLB right now that were San Diego Padres, Trey Turner, Max Fried, Emmanuel Claus, uh, Ty France, Josh Naylor, Hunter Renfro, McKenzie Gore, Kyle Quantrill, Andres Munoz, and Manny Margot. And maybe Manny Margot is not that good, right? Well, he plays on the best team in baseball. He's their starting center fielder. So I don't know. I think that's a pretty decent move there. Um, yeah, those are all MLB players. Like, there's players scattered around. There's James Wood. Like, there's other prospects that are going to be like those guys. We would die for Ty France right now as a first base or a DH player. That would be that, that could change the season, having Ty France. Having a guy as clutch as Josh Naylor, what does this team not have? They, they have no clutchness. Man, Josh Naylor would be pretty nice, wouldn't he? So it's just like you trade all these guys and you dish out these contracts that are so bad where the good contracts that Preller has given out so far are Manny Machado's first contract and Fernando Tatis's contract. Oh, and Ha-Sung Kim. That's it. There's, there's no other contracts that have panned out where the guy has actually been worth the money that they've given him. So, yeah, like, you got a good owner in Seidler because he spends money, but it's kind of just band-aiding the problems and making Preller look better than he is. And it's like, it's not good to keep him around. Even throughout last year's playoff run, I, I didn't ever think he was a good GM because if you look at his moves, they were not good. I, I did not believe that. Chase has been on the fire AJ Preller train since 2021. So, like... We're not big on Preller. We haven't been big on Preller. Isaac, you came around, but you also weren't like, Preller's so good. Like, you weren't like loving Preller like that. It's just like, there was success last year. And that kind of clouds your judgment in terms of like, we, the term winning cures everything, which is true. Like, it is true, but it doesn't mean that someone's good just because you're winning. And that's kind of what we fell to last year. And then AJ Preller got a chance to dish out these contracts again. And the future looks absolutely terrifying right now. So, um, Hopefully you guys like that rant, but Chase Isaac, final final thoughts on, on AJ Preller. Going back to the contract thing, you know who was right there on the Padres? Here's one thing that Preller did great last year, and it was trading for hitting depth so that we could go further in the playoffs. And you know who did really good as a first baseman slash DH on the Padres? Brandon Drury. You know how much money he's signed for? I know he's the pretty damn good. He's hitting 271 with an 810 OPS and 13 home runs. You can't tell me that we could have just slid Brandon Jury to first, Jake kept him at second, Haseon Kim at short, and moved Tatis to right. And this team wouldn't be going a lot further than it would be right now with Alexander Bogarts at short. And then guess what? You're not paying a guy $25 million a year. Hell, I think Brandon Jury's making less than 10. 8.5. And guess what? You could assign 8.5. And you could assign him to a longer deal. Sure, Brandon Jury is 30 years old, but he has he could play every infield position. It provides you a lot of flexibility. And then you could have gone out and signed a couple more DHs that are not 36, 37 years old. I mean, I think that's the main problem here. We both saw Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter kind of go on the decline. I know Nelson Cruz has been AJ Preller's guy for like the past three years now. We've seen it. Once AJ Preller wants a guy, he's going to get that guy one way or another. And I think that's another one of his faults. But we keep seeing it. He goes after one guy, and if they perform or not, he's going to get them no matter what. Nelson Cruz has been on a decline. He's getting up there in age. He hasn't been hitting a lot of home runs. His average has suffered because of it. His OPS has suffered because of it. Matt Carpenter, after he broke his foot, was never the same player again for the Yankees. And like you said, the short porch. 
And Brandon Drury was right there. He could play multiple positions. He could play DH. He signed for eight and a half million. We signed Carpenter for six. And we signed Bogarts for 25. And then another thing is, is Preller's obsession with high school talent. It is going to hurt you one way or another in the future. The guy refuses to draft high college players in the first and second rounds of drafts. He only goes after them basically in the third round. If we had, you know, a couple college arms or a couple college bats, we could have people to try out, you know, in these spot start situations. Oh, the guy goes down in the infield. Okay, let's bring this guy up. You know, he's close to the league. He was a top prospect coming into the draft a couple of years ago. He's been performing well. Let's see what he's got. He doesn't do that. He goes for the long shots. He goes for, you know, oh, wow, this kid was the best shortstop in all the high schools. Oh, this kid was the best pitcher in all the high schools. Oh, this kid was the best center fielder in all the high schools. Come on. At one point, you got to look at the college level and be like, you know what? These guys fit our needs more than a guy that's going to be ready six, seven years down the line. You can't look six, seven years down the line when you have a roster like this. You have to look three, four years because guess what? You're going to need those cheap contracts to come in and perform really well when you have to have guys walk because you can't extend them because you extended your core guys. And we don't have that. I'm glad you brought up Brandon Drury. That was actually exactly what I was going to say because you could have gave Drury and I know Josh Bell's not performing very well, but I, I actually think he would be performing pretty well in the Padres uniform right now with, with a little more experience at Petco and uh, in the lineup that he would be in. But, of course, people are going to disagree. I, I completely understand that. People are going to bring up his stats right now. But he could have had Bell and Jury for, like, the same amount that you gave Bogarts. And then you still would have had some left over to, I don't know, get another reliever, get another pitcher. I don't know. Whatever you would have wanted to do with that money. Um, but – I mean, a lineup of, of what, Fernando, Soto, Machado, Bell, Drury, Cronenworth, Kim. That sounds a lot more well-rounded than a lineup with either Carpenter, and Carpenter, Cruz, and Grisham, whatever it is. So it sounds a lot more well-rounded to me um, because you would have a pretty competent first baseman with either Bell or Drury, and then you would have a competent DH. You don't really have either right now. And yeah, the incompetent first baseman would just be sliding over to second, but his career numbers at second are much better than his career numbers at first. He profiles much better as a second baseman. You signed him for his production at second base because as a second baseman, he was pretty productive. As a first baseman, that is far from the case. Even if you were to post the same numbers from last year, you're putting a second baseman who is supposed to produce Numbers-wise, as a middle infielder, middle infielders aren't supposed to slug. They're not supposed to hit 25-plus uh, home runs. The position that is supposed to do that is the first baseman. The most home runs Jake Cronenworth has ever hit is 21 or 22. The year after, he was in the teens. And there is just no good explanation why you should be moving a player that profiles as a second baseman over to first base over to first base just because his glove profiles well over there. And and he's a great, I mean, numbers don't show it. He's a pretty solid first baseman. Um, but that is a power position. You need power there. You need guys that can club 30 plus home runs, 25 plus home runs. Well, and Jury, I think, can do that. Chase brought up Jury's OPS. He's over an 800 OPS. He has a 270 
uh, batting average, and, and he looks great over there with the Angels, and um, he could be a very useful piece right now. But <clears throat> as far as everything else, um, I mean, could definitely use some more pitching depth. Clearly, that's been an issue. Um, bullpen guys are obviously hurt. Robert Suarez was hurt before the season started. Drew Pomeranz remains the worst contract on the Padres. Um, there's a lot of things wrong with this Padres team, man. I mean, the guys that are supposed to produce for the Padres soon or, or not soon, but that are in the farm system are, are kind of at least two years away. Jackson Merrill, I mean, if they bring him up next year, I think that's rushing him. Ethan Salas is years away. Um, there, there's so many guys. There's quite a few guys at the top of the farm system, but they're, they're quite a few years away from, from producing for this Padres team. And, um, Right now, you're looking at a team five games below 500, and if they're not, if they're not at most, this is at most, this is pushing it. If they're not at most five games back by the trade deadline, you're looking at a potential Blake Snell and Josh Hader trade, which sucks because realistically, this might not be A.J. Preller's team. You don't want him making any moves knowing this might not be his team after this year. You don't want him trading any prospects. You don't want him trading any players because it might not be his. And I mean, we don't know for sure that it might not be his. It seems it sucks. It seems like Peter Seidler really, really, really wants to give Preller chances and chances and chances. And he wants to let him keep going. But it just doesn't make sense. You're putting butts in the seats. Don't get me wrong. Every marketing and everything in terms of season ticket sales, everything like that, it's working. But the whole point of this, the whole point of this roster construction, the whole point of making this type of team is to be able to sustain it for years to come. You were supposed, this supposed good Xander Bogarts move was supposed to be a move that benefits you for at least three, four years. Knowing, all right, you got Manny in his prime for at least another two or three. Xander Bogart's hopefully the same thing. Fernando's going to get better. Soto, hopefully you can lock him up. Um, Jake Cronenworth. I mean, all these guys are supposed to, you know, be productive players for years to come. And in the first year, none of these guys are outside of Soto. I mean, of all the names I mentioned outside of Soto, they're not very productive right now. And, you know, the argument for people that are arguing to keep Snell and Hater <clears throat> is that if you sell them, you're waving the white flag. You're surrendering. I mean, if you haven't seen that in baseball before, you haven't been watching baseball for a really long time because it happens all the time. Why are you going to let uh, – look at the Cubs. What did the Cubs get out of Wilson Contreras? They got nothing out of him. He's not that good, but I think they could have gotten a decent package out of trading Wilson Contreras last year, and they didn't do it. And I think, I think if we are over five games back at the deadline and we keep Snell and Hayter – I mean, yeah, you're looking at these guys and you're saying these are the guys that gives us a chance to come back in it. Dude, if we're still six or seven games back after the deadline, we clearly haven't used Josh Hader that much. We clearly don't need to use him. There's another team that could use him that would give us pretty good shit in order to use his, to to gain his, I mean, to be able to have him pitch the ninth is what I'm trying to say. But People want to extend Hater too. That's absolutely ridiculous um, because he's going to make $20 million and a $20 million closer is not worth it, or maybe 18 But look, point is, Preller has messed up pretty bad. It's like that hangover um, 
gif or video where it's, hey, you know, we fucked up. That's AJ Preller right now. He signed the shortstop when you already had three or four shortstops. I know Jake Cronenworth is technically a second baseman, but he played, his primary position was shortstop. Manny Machado's primary position was shortstop. Fernando Tatis' primary position is shortstop. And you signed a fucking shortstop. And the, the, the biggest problem is that he is so reluctant. Xander Bogarts is so reluctant on saying, when, when they were asking him, what do you think of a future position switch? He said, I'm a shortstop. He was arguably the worst shortstop out of the guys I just mentioned outside of one year. Arguably, defensively, he is the worst. And he's looked good these past two years. But before that, he was one of the worst defensive shortstops in baseball. So with his numbers right now, with the money he's making, I don't feel like he has the right to say I'm a shortstop. I don't feel like he has the right to say, come on, we're playing the Nationals. Well, come on, you're playing the Nationals. Why are you grounding out into multiple double plays? Why are you not bringing in guys? Why aren't you hitting more home runs against the Nationals? Come on, it's the Nationals. It's funny because my AJ Preller rent turned into Xander Bogarts. I'm sorry, I really don't like Xander Bogarts. Um, right now, at least. <laughs> but I got a question for y'all. <laughs> yeah, go you for mentioned it. You know, trading, uh, trading Hader and trading Snell. Where? More than seven games under 500. What do you guys think about trading Soto then? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let's get into this tomorrow. Let's see, okay. let's okay. let's do another episode on this because I think there's a lot to unpack there. Because I okay. think there's so many guys. Like I think it's like I think it's 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 also like terrifying, but like no, there's a lot. Yeah, no, there's, a, there's definitely a lot to discuss when it comes to Juan Soto. Um, but as far as my AJ Preller rant goes, to to conclude it. Pitching depth is bad. There's no reason Matt Waldron, Reese Kinnear, or Ryan Weather should be pitching in. Whether we believe it or not, or not, they're important games. Every game from now on is important. We have to win 52 times out of the next, what is it, 83 games, something like that. We have to win 52 times in order to reach 89 wins. 89. This was supposed to be a 95-win team. We have to win 52 times. We're throwing Matt Waldron, blah, 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 in very important games, and that just should not happen. When the Dodgers are throwing, they used to be able to throw Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, um, who are now key pieces for their starting rotation. Um, and signing Sander Bogarts was a mistake. Trading for Austin Nola was a mistake. Main, keeping Austin Nola back there and not focusing on the catcher position. One of our biggest suggested moves for the Padres over the offseason was aggressively go for Sean Murphy. Whether they went for him or not, I don't know. But they got outbid, if they did, by a team that was already better than them, believe it or not, but got that much better than we did. So um, not trading Trent Grisham, another bad move. Not extending Haseon Kim, another bad move. Not extending Blake Snell, another bad move. I mean, there is bad move after bad move this offseason. Signing Carp, signing Cruz. I mean, this is this is stuff that gets other GMs fired, and this is stuff that should get AJ Preller fired. Yep. And I'm I'm all the way there with you, man. I mean, I, I think the time also is to fire him now because we're talking about trading guys. You you don't want that in the hands of AJ Preller. Like you look at his hit trade history, 
Sure, he he hit a couple. He he hit the Fernando Tatis trade. Um, when it comes to signing guys and trading for guys that are seventeen and eighteen years old, it, it's done pretty well. But the there's there's been no clear sign of him being able to construct a winning roster outside of one season, outside of a single season, and, and that's scary. That is very scary. And then he also the very next year went into like a win now mode and completely didn't do what he did the year before that. So. I do think people are probably going to ask, like, okay, well, what did you guys want the Padres to do if this is the case? I mean, we, you just said it, Isaac. We wanted we wanted them to trade for Sean Murphy. That was, like, our biggest thing that we wanted them to do. Um, Chase, I believe you were really big on bringing back Brandon Drury. Um, I guess if you would have signed Aaron Judge instead of Xander Bogarts, it would look a lot different. Like, yeah, sure, but you can't be banking on signing fucking Aaron Judge. Like, come on. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, we'll just sign Aaron Judge, no biggie. Um, but, like, it the moves that we wanted, like they look better. Like we were really big on signing Kyle Schwarber a couple years ago. That's the guy we really wanted them to go after. Yeah. Kyle Schwarber's hitting like a buck 60 yet. He gets on base, you know, as good as guys that are hitting in the three hundreds and he slugs and he would be a great DH. He's not even the best example, but it's like, there's just so many other moves and these are only the moves aspects. It's not even talking about how dysfunctional the organization is because that's the scariest part. And you look at, okay, where's all this money? You literally sign Xander Bogarts, all these guys, and you might have to let some of your best players walk. You might have to let Soto, Kim, Snell, Hayter, those are four guys that might not be on this team in two seasons. Those are four of your best players. And you have money all over the place, and it's not there. That's bad. That is a bad move. Those are bad moves. So I'm I'm fully on board with firing AJ Preller and doing it before the trade deadline because I am very scared of him actually being able to operate a tra- another trade deadline because it has not worked in the past. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. If you're, if you're for keeping AJ Preller, let us know why. Like I'm open to hearing it, but like, I- I'm not going to agree. I'll-, I'll have a discussion with anyone in the comments about it, but like, I'm just not there, man. I, I think that we've seen enough. I think the nine seasons of, having one of the biggest payrolls in baseball, having the most spending money. Cause that's the other thing too, is it's like, it's not like when their payrolls weren't high, they weren't spending money. They were still spending a bunch of money on international prospects. Um, none of which have produ- produced 10 war, uh, 10 war total in their careers. And that was in like 2016 when they signed all those guys, 2016 and 2017. And you look at all this money that's been spent, Hosmer, Bogarts, Machado twice this last, I mean, last offseason, all this money, you know, going and trading for so doing all this different stuff, like so much money has been put in this team and there's not enough success. So time to fire AJ Preller is now.